Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. Now we're studying uh, the keys to the kingdom, I guess would be the title of our, our uh, teaching that we've been on here for a few weeks now. And we also, in mentioning that, mentioned that in these keys that are being used or that Jesus has given us, He gave them to the church because He set them in context to talking about the church that He Himself said He would build. Amen? He said, upon this rock I'll uh, build my church. Speaking of the revelation, actually if you study it uh, from uh, the standpoint of the original Greek, what it says in the original Greek, He basically is saying, uh, from the reality of who I am in you, I'm going to build the church. And the gates, the strategies, the counsels of hell itself uh, will not prevail against it. Then he began to talk about the, the keys to the kingdom. And we've just determined three different areas. We're in, we're in weapons and in armor and in gifts. Everybody say gifts. We'll get on those here in another week or so. But we're still kind of winding up these things we were talking about. They're in Ephesians chapter 6. So you can go to Ephesians chapter 6 and we'll teach this for a few moments. Now, let me say this right now is... You know, there's a tremendous, uh, 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 I hate to label it spiritual war going on right now because anytime you use the word war, the, war, the, war, the word war is defined as a conflict between two parties without a determined end. You know, if you say uh, uh, this country and this country is at war, well, we don't know who the winner is till they, till they fight the war. You know, so, so literally that's what war is. So we've studied enough of the Word of God to see over the years that truly, really the only conflict without a determined outcome or the only real war or warfare spiritually goes on in your mind. And the reasons there's not a determined outcome is because you hadn't determined it yet. And if you determine victory, then you're going to have victory. But if you don't determine victory, you're going to have, you're going to have trouble. The number one area that believers have trouble is in their mind. And so right now with everything that's going on, you know, it's almost like an information overload. Lee and I, we get up in the mornings and, and, and we kind of, you know, we, we get going slow. <laughs> We're not in a hurry, you know. We just kind of get going kind of slow and, and uh, we kind of look at each other and blink our eyes and, and, and turn around and go stand in our perspective corners for a while. And, and uh, then the day gets going a little bit, amen. Uh, but, you know, one thing that we... One thing that we always realize is that if you turn on the TV and allow it, it will drive you up the wall. There's been many times we've switched the news channel for Andy Griffith and, and Barney and Otis, you know. <laughs> Y'all know who that is, don't you? Amen. Now, now, it's not because all the information is, all the news is just so bad. It's just there's so much and you've got to, you've got to sit there and you've got to go through what, you know, one side and this side and that. And you've got to make determinations about everything that's going on. Listen, never before in history, in our history or in recent history, has the decisions that we make with the information we get, how, never has it been so precarious. You say, what do you mean? You've got to do the right thing at the right time with the right people, with the right timing. You can't, you, can't just, you, know, you can't just ignore everything and think nothing's going on. There's a lot going on that if it hasn't affected your life yet, it will. You say, well, I'm just hiding from it all. Well, it's going to catch you. It's going to find you. 
And the way that it begins to encroach into your life is through the mass amount of information. And the adversary, we talked about this some last week, how he will, he will come and oppress you with thoughts. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, just oppress your mind. It's like a machine gun going off and thoughts going through your mind. going through. Now, we've been talking about how you have to engage that. You can't just let that happen. If you let that happen, it's going to get stronger, stronger, and stronger. And that's the number one thing that leads to depression. Your mind, depression is your mind is wore out. Therefore, your soul, your emotions is trying to compensate for the tiredness of your mind. Therefore, you, you, you feel down. You literally feel it. Has anybody ever been depressed? Amen? You literally feel it. There's a physical connection to that. You're like, I'm just wore out. I don't, I don't want to hear no more. I don't want to see no more. I don't want to think no more. And, and you know, the, the, the world system will accommodate you with all kinds of, you know, pills and potions and things to uh, drink and smoke and whatever you want to do to try to pacify your mind to give you a little bit of peace. Well, it's not peace. It's not peace. It's just death being built on the inside of you. But when you get set free by the Word of God, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, when you begin to get some light on the Word of God, you begin to realize, hey, all this stuff right here, it's in my control. I don't have to live like that. I can engage that spirit that's messing with my mind. I can engage that mindset that keeps me in such bondage. I can engage that, that idea that I thought was really God, but it wasn't God. It's been trying to destroy me for 20 years. Amen. Because people sometimes, they'll get, they'll get things in their head that they think, they think that's God, but it's not God. I had a, you know, I have a, a way of counseling people in certain, in certain uh, areas. You know, if somebody comes to me in this area and says, you know, I want counsel in this area. Well, I've done it enough over the years where I've, I've got scripture, I've got things ready. So in ministry, people come to me and talked about, you know, going on the mission field, going into ministry. I've talked to, I don't know, dozens and dozens of people over the years. One particular couple came to me, said, we're called to go to this nation, blah, 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 over and over and over. And the more they talk, the more I knew it wasn't God. And the more I knew in my spirit that what it was was an offense that had gotten into them, that had opened up a door for a spirit to begin to speak into their mind, and he convinced them they were called to go to this nation to be a, to, to, to be a missionary. And so we counseled them, talked to them, said, don't do it, don't do it, praise God. And this is the, you know, God, has, God is so smart. He's put it all in the Word. And so I've got what I call the, uh, you know, the Acts chapter, uh, uh, Acts chapter 13 format. Can you do this? You say, well, can I do what? I said, can you take 30 days and pray and fast and intercede and don't pray about going to that nation. Don't pray about ministry. Don't pray about partnership. Just pray and make sure it's God telling you to do it. Well, no, I know God's already spoken to me. I said, okay. And sure enough, their life was destroyed uh, to the point that they lost their life. Thank God for heaven. Amen. I say, thank God for heaven. Well, that came through a mindset, through something that got into their mind and over and over and over began to dog their mind with a way of thinking in which they wouldn't listen. They thought that was God, but it was not God. Amen? So you've got to begin to engage against the adversary. Those thoughts that try to come into your mind, which are a constant flow many times of destruction, of death, anything that refers in any way to stealing, killing, and destroying of anything in your life. If you do not engage it, let's just say it like this so you'll understand it. If you don't fight back, it wins. 
Whatever it is, if you don't resist it. Now remember, we started this. We started with James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee or run and start terror from you. 1 Peter chapter 5, humble yourself therefore unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Uh, 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 be sober, be vigilant, for your, no, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Whom what? Resist. Actively oppose. I mean, you'd do that if somebody was breaking into your house, breaking into your car, whatever. But a lot of people, they get, they get lazy spiritually, and the enemy, he just messes their mind up. And let me tell you, this is not a day and hour in which you need that to happen. This is a day and hour in which you, through your choice, need to put God in control of your life. So that you don't make mistakes. What was our catchphrase we made up? Pay attention. Don't do something stupid. <laughs> Amen? Because this thing, listen, this thing gets real. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. You probably can't relate to it, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. When I was a kid, I used to rodeo. And I remember the first time I went to a rodeo where I was going to get on a bull. I was terrified. I don't know if I put on a good show or not, but my knees were knocking together. Just the thought of doing that was insane. Do you realize that? Do you realize? You walk into a rodeo arena and there's these huge bulls standing there and you think, I'm going to get on one of those. <laughs> you know, I just, I thought, why am I, I mean, every kind of thought you could think about in your life was just bombarding your mind. And I thought to myself, you know, if this is, if this, if this is what this is all about, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can do this. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm going to do it to save face in front of my friends and my peers. I, you know, so I won't be the, the one that was chicken or the one that chickened out. So I'm going to do it. This is what I found out. That terror that gets on you when you're fixing to do something that could kill you instantly is real. It's real. You feel it. You sense it. I mean, the sweat pours out of your pours out of the pores of your body. Your heart pounds in your chest. You can't spit. There's nothing there. Amen? But the minute they crack that gate, all that's gone. Because it ain't about you no more after that. It's about what's fixing to happen. Amen? And when I learned that principle, I was able to overcome that fear. And, and, and basically, by the time I was 18 years old, I was one of the top bull riders in the state of Texas and would have went professional except my life was so messed up. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Listen, there's a time in which you've got to let that gate crack open and where all the fear and intimidation the enemy has put on you, you've got to trust God that as you engage your adversary by speaking the word of God and saying, no devil, you're not going to torment my mind anymore. You're not going to drag me down. I'm not going to live in this depression. I'm not going to live beat down by you every day. And you begin to do that. You're going to find out that when you engage your adversary, that's when the anointing comes. That's when the strength comes. That's when the joy comes. And that's when your deliverance comes. When you do something about it. Amen? Now, Ephesians 6, that's, we've been in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's, let's go there. Let me get over here in my, my King James. We left off last week by 
talking about the helmet of salvation over the mind, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, verse 17, and take the helmet. Everybody say the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But now notice the first word of verse 18. Pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Oh, I hope I can do this, not get off on another subject. All of this armor that God has just showed us combined with a weapon because the sword of the Spirit is a weapon. So we're talking about gifts and we're talking about weapons and we're talking about armor. Now all of it is designed for you to go into prayer with. That's what it is. It's prayer armor. Now let me say this because I... You know, I've got about 15 people in this church that if I called a prayer meeting at 2 o'clock in the morning on the top of the building, they'd show up. They just like to pray. They've learned to pray. They like to pray. They're going to pray. Now, that's, that's all well and good. But let me just say this. It's in your prayer life that you do the maximum damage to your adversary. Amen? The devil is the kind of a bully that you, ha you have to show him that you mean business and you have to demonstrate his defeat and you have to keep it demonstrated. It's not like the bully that gets, gets, gets up off the ground and, and you guys become best friends. It's the bully that gets up off the ground swinging at you. That's the kind it is. So once you find a place of victory... You have to maintain that place of victory. You find that place in prayer and you maintain it in prayer. And you increase it in prayer. Now, I know a lot of times people shy away from church prayer meetings, things like that. But you have to understand here at Island Church, we don't know everything at all. But we have learned a few principles of prayer. And in our prayer and intercession, just through corporate prayer and intercession, there is an anointing there. I've had a lot of people come into this church and come into our prayer meeting, whether there were, you know, 10 or 12 people, whether the whole place was packed, and say, my God, that's, that's, there's some power moving in that prayer meeting. Well, there is. The Spirit of God's in it. And in those types of prayer meetings, especially corporate prayer meetings, you can do kingdom business on behalf of your own mind, on behalf of your family, your marriage. You say, why? Well, because there's something about the open door of utterance that comes corporately that's not available for us when we just pray as individuals. It's a different anointing. I mean, used, used to, if the pastor or the minister or the evangelist is part of the, you know, or they called a prayer meeting, everybody came. Everybody came. I remember when I was a kid, we prayed after every night's service. Pastor uh, uh, Brother Goodwin would preach then right at the end, if the Spirit of God was not moving, He'd give an altar call and everybody had come. All the women on one side, all the women on the other side. And they would be at the altars for at least 30 minutes before anybody would start to move and leave. After every Sunday night service, after every Wednesday night service. Now this, is, this was brother, brother Goodwin's testimony. I thought it was pretty cool. He said that many times people would come to him and say, uh, uh, Brother Goodwin or Brother and Sister Goodwin, we need to counsel with you. We need to talk to you about something. And they could tell it was a very serious issue. 
And so they would say, okay, well, you know, call the office and we'll, we'll, we'll schedule a, a counseling session and we'll, we'll do what, you know, whatever we need to do. We'll talk, we'll talk it out, counsel you have what we need to. But this is what he said. He said, without exception, if that person, if the, if, the, if the time of the counseling meeting, if there was a church service, a night service before that, and those people came and went to the altar, they never came to the counseling service because they got their answer at the altar. He said, time after time after time after time after time after time, we have canceled counseling sessions because they got the counsel of the Holy Ghost at the altar of God praying with the church, praying corporately. Now, what is, who is Paul speaking to here? He's speaking to a church there in Ephesus. But what's unique about Ephesus, if you go and study Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, actually 18, bottom 18 into 19, you'll find out that Ephesus was the place in which God did special miracles. Amen? So I guarantee you those guys there, they had a Bible school for a couple of years. The Bible says the Word of God was preached or proclaimed throughout all of Asia. Not only that, they had such a powerful revival that it broke the back of the occult. And they brought literally millions of dollars worth of silver occultic figures and occultic books and they burned them as a testimony to the revival of God that took place in Ephesus. I'd say they were praying. And it is that church that Paul said, pray for me, that what? A door of utterance would be up. He understood that the miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles were the battering ram for the door of utterance. And they come because a church contends for the supernatural move of God by using the gifts and the weapons and the, and the armor that God gives and goes into prayer and does kingdom business. And says, you know, devil, we're not going down, we're going up. We're not going to be less, we're going to be more. Come on, church. You've got to do that in every area of your life and ministry. You've got, to, you've got to fight. Listen, the last 19 years as a church, we've been in a fight. It has been a fight. Just to be a church, just to have church. But the good news is we're still here. And we're still blessed. Amen. Amen. You can't judge what's going on today by what went on yesterday or you'll always get in a ditch. The Word of God shows us that. And not only the Word of God shows us that, but our own experience shows us that. But the good news is I've never been more excited. I've never had more anticipation on the inside of me. I've never in my life had more faith operating on the level that it's operating on in expectation of what's coming at us. Amen? You say, well, what do you think's coming at us? I think a powerful move of God, powerful move of the Holy Ghost. But it comes many times just like as a tide rises, like it comes in. You notice it rising a little bit, then you go away, you're not paying attention. Next thing you know, you come back and it's risen two feet. Because when it comes, it comes. I said, when it comes, it comes. God prepares our hearts. God prepares everything. God gets everything ready. Then he does what he said he's going to do. And he said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Well, that's us. We don't want to get too far into that. We get too happy. Now, here we go. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching whereunto with all preservations, perseverance and supplication for all saints. Then he says this, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul is telling the church at Ephesus and the church at Galveston, if you pray, God will move. Remember Acts chapter 4. 
The first time they brought persecution against the church. And you thought everybody had been happy. You thought everybody had been, you know, just bubbling over with joy because a, a man uh, crippled from his birth was totally healed, totally restored. Instead, all the religious people got mad. But they prayed that prayer in Ephesians 4. Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness we may speak your word. Why? They knew the spoken word would have the effect necessary to keep that door of utterance open. What were they praying for? The very thing that got them in trouble. What got them in trouble? Signs, wonders, miracles. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders be done by the name of your holy child Jesus. The Bible said when they prayed that way, the place was shaken. Most people, they get a little pushback from the devil and the devil and they're ready to go high. No, you ought to... Re Listen, if the enemy has attacked your life, if he's attacking your mind, if he's doing those, especially those little repetitive, petty things that he tries to do from time to time, if he is harassing you, if there's a spirit of harassment trying to mess with your mind, listen, you need to rise up in faith and you need to count yourself blessed because that devil sees something that you're doing. You've initiated something in the spirit. You've engaged something that's threatened that Spirit, he knows his days are numbered. And if you'll just follow through on your faith, with your faith and with your authority, you're going to run that devil off and have a great victory. Yeah. I can happen for anybody. you got to be willing to do it. I remember Leah, when we first got married, she, had, she dealt with a spirit of fear. And here I was, you know, I, I, we got married, and I think the next week after we got home from our honeymoon, I was gone. I was gone. And so, you know, our, our, our family's very benevolent. They, were, they all invited, you know, you can come stay with us. Our pastors at the time said you could come stay with us. There were others that friends that said you could come stay. She didn't do it. She stayed at home. Now listen to me. She stayed at home in fear. Did you get that? You say, why'd she stay at home in fear? That's where the battleground was. Sometimes you got to stay where the battleground is. She got her, she got her scriptures. She got her songs. Amen. She got her scriptures. She got her worship songs. She got, and she, listen, she took that. And how, how many years of that mindset? That had been in your mind for years. Ever since she was a kid. That stronghold. But she engaged in the fight. I didn't know it till afterwards. She told me afterwards after it had all happened. She engaged in the fight. She refused to be defeated. She believed in her God and believed in the authority that he had placed in the Word and placed in the Spirit that was in her and upon her. And she fought her fight and she got her victory. Amen. Hadn't been fearful since. When we first got married, she had, I guess the first three years, maybe four, she ended up in the emergency room at Christmas. On Christmas Day, every year, she would be in the emergency room. She would, her, her sinuses and her throat especially, some type of strep. Uh, uh, uh. And then every year, every year. And we got to the place where we're like, nope, this, this, we're not going to go through this. We're not going to live our lives where every Christmas time she ends up in the emergency room and we end up the next two or three days trying to get her to recover from some stinking attack the devil put on her. So we engaged. Sure, we had the, we had the ministers pray for us. We had hands laid upon us. We, 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 we did all that we knew, but then we engaged. We begin to speak. We begin to engage that spirit of infirmity with the Word of God, and that thing broke, and I don't think you've had that issue in 
30 years. She hadn't had that in 30 years. You say, why? Because <laughs> what, you're, what you're willing to live with, the devil's willing to supply all the junk of whatever that is into your life for you to live with it. Amen. And listen, this is a day and hour in which we need to be getting that stuff out of our lives. Amen. Now, real quick, I got five minutes. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter. Well, go to Hebrews chapter 12. That'll save me some time. That way I, may, I might get through in five minutes. Might not, though. You never can tell. Never can tell. Verse 12, we're foreseeing, verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 12. Verse 1, chapter 12. We're foreseeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, now notice this, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, God, through his son Jesus, engaged the devil in something we could not, for we were not able. If man could have done it, then God would have chosen man to do it. Let me say that again. If man could have done it, but every man and every woman born onto the planet was born under the curse of the fall. Original sin is what theology calls it. They're born under that curse. Their blood is tainted. You say, what do you mean their blood? I don't care what color your skin may be or where your geographical location may be. You're all of one blood, says that in Acts chapter 15. We're all of one blood. Notice the, notice the theology. He is the what? He is the author. That means he begins it then he is the finisher. That means he completes it. So during that process, the enemy wants to get into your mind and try to get you not to believe what Jesus has empowered you to believe. I'll tell you, Pastor almost talked me into that prosperity stuff. I don't talk people into stuff. I give you the Word of God. And the Word of God carries in us power to convince any old unbelieving heart if they're willing to let it in. Jesus said in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He ain't talking to sinners. He's talking to us. And with every revelation in the Word, He's standing on the door, knocking at the door, knowing that your carnal mind is His biggest enemy and the devil's playground. Amen? So you've got to make a decision. Bless God if God has put that in my heart. I, I believe in the new birth. I believe in healing. I believe in the baptism and the Holy. I'm not going to let go of my, I'm not going to let the devil talk me out of that. I believe in the, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then you get into the personal things that God empowers you to believe. Amen. And I guarantee you, he'll try to talk you out of your house, out of your car, out of your marriage, out of your kid. He'll try to talk you out of everything God wants to bless you with. Then he wants to blame it on God exactly how he operates. It's exactly how he operates. But thank God by the word of God and the confession of your own faith and the authority that God has put into his word, you can use your words. Everybody say words. I am convinced that as we progress toward the rapture of the church, one of the dominant revelations that's going to explode in the church is going to be the power of our words. 
It has not been taught on enough. We don't, have enough the, we don't have the depths of the revelation that we should have. But God made us in His likeness and His image and your words carry life or death. Amen? So you've got to lay aside every what? Weight. Now these are the weights. Everybody say weights. That's not classified as the sin of unbelief. Sin of unbelief is the only sin that can send you to hell. Not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. But now these weights. Now I don't like, I don't like to go through weight list. <laughs> Amen? Because you can get, get up here and say anything. You know, your problem is, is you're too tall, you're too short. Uh, you're too old, you're too young. You could start coming up with all kinds of, what would, what could, what would you call it? You know, a, a, a list of weights. Well, what's a weight for one person may not be the weight of the next. A weight is anything that does what? If you want an illustration, then wait till it gets about noon or one o'clock and go grab, uh, you can go right down here to, to, to Home Depot and you can get a 20-pound a uh, uh, sack of garden soil and throw it on your shoulder and, and go run around the parking lot three times. And then put it down and just run one time. And you'll see there's a big difference in running with a weight on you than there is with a weight not on you. And the weights are the things that you put on yourself that slow you down. You put them on yourself. You're not putting on the armor of God, you're putting on weights. And as you put those weights on, what does it do? That, that, that path that we should be running, the thing that Jesus has authored in our life and He's desiring to finish, we begin to slow down toward that. Amen? Because really the ultimate goal of the devil is not just to get you to slow down, but to stop and to turn around. I call that unrighteous repentance, because repentance means to turn from. So you turn from the things of God. But now notice what it says. Mm, three minutes over. I'll close with this. Don't laugh. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Previous verse. Lay aside every weight and the sin. Everybody say the sin. Now let's read that in the Amplified. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and conjunction connects the two, which one leads to another. And that sin which so readily, deftly, cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patience, patient endurance, steady, active persistence, the appointed course or the race that is set before us. Now, I've used this, oh, I don't know, a hundred times. The devil wants to complicate your life extremely. I don't like complication. I like simple stuff. Amen? And, and the way he does that is when you, start, when you start walking, intending to run the path of the race that God has set, the enemy starts adding weights to your life. This weight, that weight. Those weights many times come in the form of, of suggestions that the enemy knows you will yield to. Everything from the way you talk, 
Because we could really meddle here, you know. The way a husband talks to a wife, the way a wife talks to a husband. We could talk about the way a person handles his finances. There's all kinds of things we could talk about that the enemy can look in the spirit realm and see your life and see that's an area you're loading up on where there are weights beginning to be established. Then the Amplified talks about all of this stuff that he's trying to use to complicate your life, just being all wound up and tied up in a great big knot. You ever feel like that? You think, oh my God, I feel like my whole life is in a great big knot. Now, living on the coast here in Galveston, I, ever since I was a little boy, I can remember coming down here at age five, six years old and going to what they called the old quarantine station out there on, the, on Pelican Island and wade fishing with my dad and his brothers and, and other people from our church, people like that. So I have fished around this area my whole life. Now, the most popular uh, uh, rod and reel for fishing, inshore fish, uh, in, in, in this area is called a bait casting reel. There are two kinds. There's a spinning reel. That's the one that you turn under and you reel with the opposite hand. Then there's the bait casting reel in which sits upright and usually it's that bait casting reel that is much more subject to a backlash. Have you ever had a backlash? Now the problem with backlashes is they are not convenient because you did not go fishing to deal with a backlash. Did you? You went fishing to do what? That's the purpose of fishing. Amen? Is to catch fish. I know there's a lot of people that says, well, it's really not about catching the fish or killing the ducks. It's all about getting out there. I don't believe that at all. I, wanna, I, want, I want some fish to fry or some ducks to put in the gumbo, you know. But anyway, you go out there and you go to the best place, the right time. Everything is, is, is where it should be, the way it should be. Amen? I mean, if you could talk fish, you could talk them, to, talk them into jumping the boat. They're there. They want to eat. They want, they want to come get in your ice. But you pull up there, and immediately on your first cast, you've got a backlash. And now you're stuck. You're in, you're in, a, you're in a predicament because now what you're wanting to harvest is right here, but now you're unable to do it because of a complication. We had a pastor friend of mine one time, and he's always a big faith guy and all this kind of stuff, you know. And so we, we hit a place just like that. I mean, we right place, right time. We started catching fish one right after another. He backlashes his reel. I said, grab that one over there. You don't, no, I can get this out. Grab that one over there. He took about 45 minutes getting that backlash out. By the time he did, the fish quit biting. But it was okay because I'd caught his limit. He said, why did you catch his limit? Because he was unable to catch it himself because he was dealing with a backlash. Amen? Now, over the years, I've dealt with them. Right, Captain? And you can spend all day pulling out this and pulling out that. Back out. You, you can't even spend all day. But I found out the best way to get rid of a backlash is to cut it out. I got a sharp knife on my boat and I keep it sharp and I can run it through that line and cut that stuff out and pull it out and pull it right back through the ice and be right back doing what? Receiving that which I came for. Amen? So you also have to what? What is the Word of God? 
the sword of the Spirit. That sword, if you'll study that sword for what it really is, it is a Roman sword that is about 18 to 24 inches long, and it's very heavy and it's very weighty, and it is not designed to, to stick somebody way out there. It's designed to pull people in close and do that. You say, why? Because that's the way it's designed. But that thing will also, not only will it be destructive against your enemy when he draws close, it'll cut out the backlash of your life if you'll apply it to it. You know, you begin to say, thank you, Lord. I'm not going to live my life confused. I'm not going crazy. I'm not going to be depressed. God has not given me a spirit of fear or intimidation. But of power, love, and a sound mind, I refuse to be confused. Amen? If you do not say it, if you do not release the authority, we can pray every prayer we know, we can fast and pray for 30 days, but you still leave that door open for the enemy to come in and mess with your mind and, and literally torment you, and you sought, you sought relief from ministers or preachers. Thank God for any book you can read. But the day will come where you have to make a decision to put the knife to the backlash and say, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm cutting this out of my life. This is going to get cut out of my life. And you know, cutting backlashes out over the years, I have cut my hands. <laughs> I have cut my fingers. I have cut my hands. I have wounded myself. I have hurt myself. But here's the bottom line. I've always got it out. I've always got it out. And if you'll just go to work on it, I guarantee you it won't take you near as long as you trying to unwrap that thing yourself. See, that's where your reasoning comes in. Your reason, I can do this. I, I can do this. I can, I, oh, I know, Lord, I know I could, I know, I know God could speak faith like Brother Rusty. I know, but you know, I can do, and you'll spend months, sometimes years, dealing with some stupid mix-up, some weight that's been on your life that's kept you from fulfilling what Jesus has authored. I mean, this small group of people here tonight, I think about what God, the dream of God that he's authored in your life. Oh, my God, how, how, how fantastic, how mighty, how awesome. I mean, just think, without Jesus, you'd never think like that. You'd never think that you could be free or, or you could own a house or you could own your own car. You could be free from... You'd never think like that. But see, Jesus has come and he's visited you and he's authored something in your spirit. Freedom, deliverance, healing, prosperity, destiny. He'll offer that. Then what does he do? He goes to work on you so that he can finish it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? You learned something? Did that help you? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word, that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Now say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. I will engage your word, your spirit, armor, gifts, and weapons in my life. I refuse to live in bondage. I refuse to live as a slave. I refuse to be subject to Satan. I will speak the word. I will rejoice in the word. I will hear the word. I will use the word the way it is designed, and I will see my victory demonstrated upon the heads of my enemies in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen. amen. Praise God. Stand on your feet.
Heavenly Father, as we leave tonight, we thank you for your blessing, your protection, your safety, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness toward us. Thank you for Psalms 91. We declare no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. So in our travels on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare we are protected of God. Thank you in all the righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resources you've given us. We thank you that there's no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. No wiles or traps the enemy has set. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing whatsoever can harm us, for we are the kept of God. Thank you, Father, for evangelism being in our hearts. Let us recognize and realize all of the people whose paths we come across, who so need Jesus, who so need strength, who so need refreshing and help. Let us be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the devil, and a miracle in their life. We leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. We leave walking in love one toward another, thanking you for our church and glorifying you, Lord, that here at Island Church we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.